they said the cat have nine lives and i think that is that's really true because it wants it's one of those lunch boxes you know i don't know if you remember those plastic lunch boxes yes and we were just playing and i thought it was just okay i locked the cat there for two days and when i when i opened it he just ran out welcome to the immigrant experience in america an immigrant human library where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Listen in as we add another story to our immigrant human library. Hello listeners, and thanks for joining us on another episode of the Immigrant Experience in America, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants living in the United States and around the world. This is the place where you come to share your story of arrival to the United States or moving from your birth country to any other country around the world. Today, we have another story that we're adding to our immigrant human library, and it is that of Nadine Johnson. Welcome, Nadine. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Very good. It's nice to have you on the show. And if you guys don't know, this is my sister. People say we look alike. They mix that mistake us all the time on my campus. People would always say hi to her thinking it was me and so forth. Yeah, I had a lady me. hug me up once thinking it was you. <laughs> You're right. Right, right, right. She ran so and grabbed me from behind. <laughs> yes, but we're two years apart and Nadine has lived a number of years in the state of Georgia, and she's here to share a bit about her professional life, her immigrant story, and what she's been doing in the last number of years. So Nadine, go ahead and give us a little bit intro into who you are and introduce yourself to our audience. Again, my name is Nadine Johnson. I was born and raised in Westmoreland, Jamaica, and migrated to the United States at the age of 17. What has it been like? Do you remember those early days? What was it like when you first left Jamaica, when you were planning to leave? Can you tell us about like, you know, what were some hopes that you have as you were preparing to leave the island? Well, I was very excited to be able to migrate to the United States. I actually leave two months after graduating from high school at 17 years old. So you were telling us a little bit about what it was like as you were getting ready to leave Jamaica to migrate to the United States. What was it like? You were saying you were leaving high school? Yeah, I graduated in high school. I believe it was the end of June and we, I migrated to the United States in August 18, 1998. So I had an exciting for me, but still sad at the same time that I was leaving my country behind all the fun times I had my friends fun days at school coming to a new environment that I wasn't sure what to expect right I can just imagine yeah I had some of those mixed emotions as well I was also I had just graduated high school myself and I think I did a year um, at the extension school and then left afterwards. So I was excited. Yeah. I remember having conversations with our brother Andres about starting a Jamaican restaurant. I don't know where we got the concept that there was a lot of Jamaican restaurant here, but we were laughing and, you know, at that young age talking about how we're going to start this Jamaican restaurant called Nyam Nyam. And uh, we would just laugh and talk about all sorts of stories. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I remember very clearly. So tell us a bit, what was it like then as you got on that plane for the first time and when you finally got here to the U.S., what was it like? Well, we came in the middle of summer, so it was very hot as I can remember. But when I got here, I realized a lot of people stayed inside. I was used to being outside, have our doors open. We would go outside and play. You would see the neighbors, people playing music, your next door neighbors. But here, everyone stayed inside. It stayed closing. So it was that was a lot different. And what was that first winter like? Oh, yeah. I was excited for the winter because I've never experienced snow before. So I was excited to see it, what it was like. But after that first year, <laughs> I wasn't, I was ready to move on to a, a different climate. Right. Yes. I can yeah. remember crying. I remember crying and people, cousins asking me why I was crying. I, I don't even know if I could explain, but it was quite that level of cold we've never ha experienced before. And just the change, the place was different. Yeah, because for me, every December, it seemed like I, I was more like, I wouldn't say depressed, but it was very hard to get through the winter. Your focus wasn't there. You, I just felt like it was just cold and dark. So that was a hard time for me to stay focused. Right. Yes. They they have something out there that they call seasonal depression, like in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people get, you know, their bodies change and emotions change because of how dark the season is. It's not a lot of light. And then the cold keep you inside the house. So, you know, yeah, yeah a lot of people get affected by that. I've had my issues with that, too. So I'm wondering, can you tell us about what it was like in, in Jamaica for you growing up? For me, growing up in Jamaica, I had a very exciting childhood. Lots of memories. I, even now, at times, I would sit and I would remember the things I used to do as a child. I, I did not grow up in the city. I grew up in the countryside of Jamaica. So we had lots of time outside playing with the neighbors. All the kids would come to our homes. We would find different games to play. We would go over to their homes and it was just family oriented. You know, everyone know each other. We got along very well. So I enjoyed those days. Right. I remember. And today, I think there are stories that we all have where we joke of stuff that we used to do, like, you know, the cat story or like we call it a puss story. <laughs> So my sister, or me being a nurse, <laughs> yes, we, she Nadine used to be the nurse, right? So we would play these games, and once she she actually locked a cat in one of our little lunch pans, and yeah, I had a lot. No, of we were so young; we didn't know what was going to happen. I, we were just honestly, just innocently playing. And then when we finally let the cat out, it was like soaking wet because it was, it was long. I think it was two days. So actually they said the cat have nine lives. And I think that is, that's really true because it wants, it's one of those lunch boxes. I don't know if you remember those plastic lunch boxes. Yes. And we were just playing and I thought it was just okay. I locked the cat there for two days. And when I, when I opened it, he just ran out. My gosh. 
Oh, yeah. And we were just, yeah, I didn't even think about it. I don't think any of us thought that that was dangerous. We would have could have easily killed a cat. Yeah. I think we were just playing around. But we joke about those stories all the time, guys. You know, this is what it was like. Just very simple, lots of green around us, lots of trees. You know, most people there had a lot of land and they would come to our house to play in the evenings after dinner. And so we had, we had, we, you know, we didn't know any better. We were just kids. We were just happy. And yeah, it was very um, enjoyable. Sometimes I think about my children, they would never know what it's like, that kind of fun we had growing up because it's so different here. They, they stay inside all the time. Now they just want to play in their electronics. Yes. And right. That's right, their right. kind of fun right now. Right. And so you wonder what they will share with their kids. And we do our best to take them back to the island, right, and expose them to our family property and tell them stories and show them around so that they mm -hmm. can can grow to love that place like we do. Yeah. And actually, Ati likes outside so much. But mm -hmm. when we do take him, he just dive into it. <laughs> I think oh, your daughter has her own love for it she's curious and I see her as a very open-minded person I think they each have their own love every time we go yeah, back I know she loves the yeah, beaches and the hotels and she's intrigued by just life outside of the resort so it'll be interesting to see where Jamaica stands with them as they get older, right? So it's to be seen. I think everybody raising children away from the place where they were born and raised wonder, you know, like what would their children, what kind of love their children will grow up to have for their birth country. So yeah, it's to be I, seen. Um, I often think about that. I came across a video once. We do speak English, but we also have patois. And I will speak it to them sometime. They will understand what I'm saying, but they will not speak it. So I came across a video once that say, when you lose the language, you lose your culture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when, when, when your family move away and the children come and they don't really speak the language you speak, it, their culture fades away. No. Right. Yeah. No, that's it's funny because it's funny you mentioned that I just came back from the island for my birthday and I've been going through this this thing. I call it returning where I recognize because I've tried to assimilate or become just a fit in here in the U.S., you know, in certain spaces, whether it's at job or socially. Just, you know, speak more American so people will understand you more. Because I remember people saying that, you know, they had trouble understanding my accent or you would hear conversations about people saying that. And so over time, you just naturally just try to speak in a way where people can easily understand yeah. you and you can just really not stand out so much and you just kind of flow with the environment you're in. But I really have lost my thick Jamaican accent. I It comes out sometimes when I'm there, but it's not. it doesn't come easily all the time. I was listening to a program uh, this week and listened to the lady and her accent. And I was just so saddened by the fact that I don't sound like that anymore. Oh, my gosh. And I, find I believe I still have mine. It's still very strong because, you know, a lot yeah. of people will meet me and just like, oh, my goodness. How long have you been here? You still have such a strong accent. There will meet people that came here after me, but maybe because I grew up more in the country, a lot of people migrated from Kingston. So if somebody here, both of us talking together, they, you know, they could hear my accent very strong. 
Yes. And and plus I've kind of traveled and lived in different places, as you've known. So I've had to kind of adapt the way I talk. I really don't know exactly what I sound like anymore, but I went through this thing where I feel like I'm mourning the loss of having that sound that Jamaica has. Some people will say, oh, your Jamaican accent isn't there anymore. But then even when the, the way I speak right now, they will still ask me first thing out of their mouth, where are you from? Yeah, so they can tell I'm not natively from here, yeah. that I'm from Thank somewhere. Same and thing so, when we visit home, people know that we wasn't living there. Even exactly. though we still talk the patwa, they hear, okay, she's she has been somewhere. She's not, she hasn't been on the island for a while. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's it's kind of part of the immigrant experience is that you move to this country and you're trying to assimilate and to fit in to a place that you're not native to because you have to survive. And, and, you know, this is, can be a harsh environment for immigrants, right? Once you stick out like a sore thumb with an accent, you, you know, the way you vibe and move, people can tell you're not from here. So you try to really just fit in. Yeah. And then on the other side, the more you try to assimilate, you lose a lot of, yeah. you know, your birth country, the culture and understanding how people move and communicate. Cause so when I go back, I remember just staying quiet when I was around certain people and letting them talk to communicate to the vendors or whoever, because I felt like they could get across and get a better price. No yeah. matter how yeah. I try yeah, to it speak Jamaican, true. it's going to sound different. They would overcharge you when they know that you're not from there. You haven't been there for a while. So you don't quite know how much things, the prices are, they will overcharge you. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm going through a period where I'm trying to return to my roots. This Immigrant Experience podcast is actually helping me work through that. I went back to a mango, what we call a mango walk or mango picking. Oh, my gosh, I really yeah, I'm I often here. sit and think about, you know, when we used to go to the hills with my grandmother. Yes, I, I think I would enjoy in those days, I did not enjoy it so much, but now I like, I would just like love to go back and just do those things for. Yeah, I have know, those memories too, very vividly. And go up in the hills and enjoy the fresh air. And mm -hmm. And all that property that we that the family has on my our paternal and side and on our mother's side. And then, you know, you come here and part of the adjustment is that you have to buy land that is so expensive, right? And then we have so much land, but because it's on the interior of the land of the island, the you know, property values vary on, you know, depending on its location. Mm -hmm. And so you go back and see all this land and you're like, man, and but you're here. Yeah, and people would probably say, you know, different social status because we've left all of that to come here and start over. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's another story. So that's part of the immigrant experience. I'm wondering, Nadine, if you can tell us about some fun things that you used to do. Like what was the what was your experience of the food and, and memories that you have when you were growing up? Well, growing up in Jamaica, we have, I must say, we have a lot of fruit trees. We have, as one thing finish, there's a season for everything. We had June plum, we had um, lots of oranges, coconut, sugar cane. So there was never a time that we could say, oh, I'm hungry, because it was just so much things that we could go fresh food. Every day we would have some fresh cooked food. 
And I miss yeah. those days coming home. We have, you know, coming home from school, we would have dinner ready for us. And just like I said, being out, just an open environment where everybody just get along very well. Your neighbors, we play together as kids. We have live music. We could, I mean, well, I didn't really dance, but, you know, it was just a fun time. Yeah, and it was so safe. Yeah, it was we... very safe. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm not wanting to, I remember if our parents had to go somewhere, it was no problem. We could always go over to our neighbors and they could come over to our house and stay until their parents come back. We would play. We could play all day. Yes. So, you know, part of the immigrant mom experience where you're raising children in a new country, different from the one which you were born and raised, Mm -hmm. and you obviously have a culture, you know, you go through this back and forth of deciding, like, you know, what values do you now create in your children? How much of your culture do you try to make sure you instill in them? What do you, you know, of the new culture, do you try to keep out and, you know, just try to keep a balance because this is their reality, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, it's a constant thing on my mind. Like what, you know, who will my daughter become like, and I hope she learns to appreciate our country or culture where we come from. They all have been there a number of times now. And I just want to make sure that she knows that that is home. We have roots going back a number of generations, at least four that I've tracked and it goes back even further. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, I'm, I remember telling her constantly, remember, this is home. You can always come home because we don't want them to get lost here where they feel like they're going to be treated like they're outsiders or that they're aliens. Yeah, I know that we're born I here. kind of feel sad about that. Like, you know, if anything should happen to me and then they're leave here and they don't, they will never go back. And then they grew up and have children and then that roots is just lost. It just fade away. I know, I know. So the reality of both of us being mothers, the children just came from the pool and trying to keep the noise down while we both continue the interview. But this is the reality of life, of being of motherhood, right? We try to do try to grow ourselves, do things that bring us joy in the middle of being mothers and in the middle of having full-time jobs. I mean, this is the reality. Mm-hmm. This is real. So they they came up here. They're gone. Hopefully they can change and not create too much, mm-hmm. too much ruckus. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's part of the whole immigrant experience is, you know, yeah, raising and, children and now that you mentioned that too about working full time. That was another thing about being back home because a lot of mothers didn't work. I think now more women are working, but the woman would stay home and take care of the children. So when they're home from school, their mom is home dinner is ready, they could do things together. But here, you have to work all day, maybe you have to find a babysitter after care, so you could finish work. So it's like, you spend a lot of time away from them, you most of your time is spent in, in working. Right? Yeah, no, I remember when we were growing up, grandma, we were with both sides of our families and a lot of time was spent at home and grandma was always there. Yes, mm-hmm. our dad and mom were off working, but then they would come and, but we had our aunt. It was more of like- Yeah, a there was always somebody there. Yeah, some family member would always be there. 
Yeah, to see about us. And so, yeah, our children are growing up into this new industrialized world where work is so important. It takes more than one person now to work, like two people to work and maintain the finances in the home. So it's a different world. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I'm, I find that I'm really tossed between wanting to go back home. Like literally, I'm having a, a deep like desire to move back. So my daughter can exchange experience Jamaica and to kind of grow to love it. Mm-hmm. And so she will develop the language and so that I can return to getting my accent back. Cause I feel like that's who I am. You know, you know, the older I get, I just realize that I'm Jamaican being Jamaican is like a deep part of who I am. It's the way I eat, the way I cook my favorite things, the way I think is very communal or collective in yeah. nature. Yeah, you know. The way you are, the pre- the person you are, I think that has a lot to do with it because we spent, well, all of our childhood years. So we already, we were groomed already into what we want to be when we grew up, you know, yes. hard, the, our morals was already there. Mm-hmm. So that helps us when we move to the United States. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I know we've been here now over two decades, but that part of you is, you know, it was already set. I think we've changed. I think we both have changed and taken on things that are very American in nature. But I think our culture at home and the way we eat and the way we deal with people is still very Jamaican. And I've changed. Uh, there's things about me that people would consider Jamaican that's no longer there. I've, you know, I've, I've just been gone for a while. Mm-hmm. But any case, I'm going through a season where I'm either I'm mourning the loss of that, my cultural self. But that's mm-hmm. another conversation. Another um, loss of my accent and my cultural self. Mm-hmm. And who I'm going to become in the next decade or so. Am I going to go back or am I going to stay here and continue to change and and lose part of that, of who I am? So, yeah, we'll work that out. Yeah, so I've shared a lot about our family story. I think our audience already know a bit about our background. I have a story that's going to be released here shortly from my story with Porting with Story Corps, which is an organization that goes around and, and interview everyday Americans who are living here. And they store it in the Library of Congress for um, people to do research in years to come to kind of get a sense of what life was like during this time. Whether you are natively born here or you are somebody who immigrated from another country, right? They record all of these stories for people to talk about what life is like during this time of period. And I just did that. And so that will be coming out. So people will get a background about our family life. And um, so we we won't um, go into that too much today. So I wonder, you know, when you first came, Nadine, like, and started adjusting, like, going off to school and then having a part-time job, which we never had to do because, you know, family or dad took care of everything or dad and mom took care of everything. We didn't have to think about working at 16. I mean, our, your, my niece, yeah, your daughter is now talking about going out to work at 16. We never even talk about that. Yeah, we never at those times. I mean, it's funny. She's 14 years old and she's already looking at she's want to go work. You know, I when I was home, I when I was fourteen years old, I wasn't even thinking about having a job. Right. But it's um so I migrated here, you know, I I finished high school in Jamaica, but 
because of the changes, I had to go back to high school for one year. Possibly I could have just gone on to college, but because that was 11th grade in Jamaica and high school goes to 12th grade here. So I did um went back to high school for one year. Yeah, it was, a, you know, it was kind of hard adjusting because, you know, things here were a lot different than than back home. It was very easy communicating with my friends over there, you know, because we could just speak our own language or we speak English as our native language, but, you know, we could just have speak the broken language quickly to someone. But being here, it was very different. You know, the minute you open your mouth and say something that everybody was like, well, what did you say? Could you say that again? Where are you from? And I was very afraid, you know, I remember I had a public speaking class that was part of my curriculum and I failed that class because I wouldn't go up and give my speech when it was time for me. I was just afraid to go in front of the class and speak. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because that is kind of, I I, I think that is, um that was not something we had to do on a regular basis in Jamaica in, this, in high school. Mm -hmm. I don't remember having to give a lot of presentations at all, if any. No. So that wasn't something that we had to do. That was just not, a you know, we studied and we were smart kids, but giving presentations was just not something that we did. So this was new and I struggled with that yeah, too. And even if we had to, it was very comfortable. You know, at some point the teacher may call on you to give an answer or come up in front of a class. But because here it's so different, you're, you're new, your accent is different, everyone is looking at you, you know, it's just a lot different. So that puts some pressure on you going in front of the class to speak. Right, right, right. So you finished high school and went on to college. Yeah, community and, college. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, did you? I thought you went You went to DeVry, right? You got your... Yeah, I finished at DeVry, but I started with Penn Valley. Remember Penn Valley? Not oh, okay. So you did a little time. You did some years. classes at we, Penn I Valley. I completed my associate degree at Penn Valley. Right, and right. I'm I moved on to UMKC University of Missouri, Kansas City. Then I got transferred to DeVry University. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I forgot some of those time um minor details about yeah. you know what everything i just remember devry and you graduating from devry but this is part of the immigrant experience like where when you come in especially as a young person trying to figure out the educational system and how, where do you start and do your grades matter and how to get things evaluated and what grades you know what grade do you where do you even begin it it can be exhausting and tired for a new person coming in and so there needs to be a I think a system in place to really kind of just help people do a seamless kind of transfer from coming from overseas whether it's in the educational system or going on whether it's high school or or are younger or going off to college it can be it can be something kind of a lot of work trying to figure out like where to begin because I remember and later on realizing I could have gone straight on to, you know, I also went to Penn Valley and got grades because I thought that's what I needed to do yeah, to I get was credits so to get into undergrad. But I, I had, I could have gone straight into undergrad and I didn't realize yeah. that. Mm -hmm. But so it is. None yeah, of it and then wasted. another thing I just remembered, the way our system back in Jamaica, you know, with the uniform, the organization, 
Like when your teacher would walk in the classroom, doesn't matter how old the person is. If you're 17 years old and you have a 20 year old teacher, you still have to stand up and say, good morning, miss, or good morning, mister. Good afternoon, miss, or good afternoon, mister. Everybody was mister, mister. So, but when I first got here, you know, the children would call the teachers by their first name. So I remember when I went to the school to get registered, you know, everything that um, the men said, I would say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And my aunt started to laugh because no other, the other children does not respond like that. They will be like, yes, the, the adults talk to them and they say, yes, yes. There was no miss or mister. So when I was like, every, every response was yes, miss. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. She started, you know, she just thought that was funny because that rule is not here for the children to do. Right, right. And I've had conversations in interviews before where we talk about the fact that manners is just not a big thing here. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I feel like I go the extra mile when I deal with young people or even with my daughter to make sure that I teach her to say please and thank you or to say good morning and to say and give some sort of deference to people who are older, because that is not it's definitely not taught very much here. And, you know, that I think manners is something important for kids to learn because it will follow them as they go through life to show respect to people as they interact with others. But I mean, I there's a, another conversation about the history of the United States and why that came to be. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about that another time. Join us again next time for part two of this episode. We thank our listeners around the world and we appreciate your continued support as we build our human library. Please remember to give us a five-star review Subscribe and share with your friends, family, and circle of influence.